0: clubhouse. This is Paul.
1: This is Caroline.
0: Right now, we're going to talk about the third episode of Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale, fourth season premiere night. This is the one that ends like the three-episode arc that gets the season rolling, and man, there are a a lot of things to talk about with this one. I mean, this was like the roughest one for sure of the three. Plus you get, narratively, maybe some stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense right off the bat with what we got.
1: Right. This is episode three called The Crossing. Obviously referring to the railroad crossing in my opinion. I think there's a lot going on here. Maybe could it also be the title? Could it it be like a Crossing uh, Aunt Lydia?
0: Yes. And it could also be crossing, like, over from she was kind of a gang leader.
1: Right. To Back to independent.
0: Yes. Yes. All that. So, I mean, a lot of stuff changed in this episode. Yeah. I think we're going to need to talk about whether we like those changes and if they made any sense (laughs) whatsoever. Because at the end of the last podcast, we were kind of wondering, how many times can we... Possibly accept as an audience this idea of this very troublesome woman in this anti woman world getting caught and then reconditioned and then sent back out into the world when they are perfectly fine executing everyone they see.
1: It is weird. It, I mean, they really haven't done enough to explain to us why June is the the special, special one. I mean, when you say that, it, it really does strike me that other handmaids have had babies successfully. I want to go slower with the words that you used because you said troublesome. I mean, that's the type of word Aunt Lydia would use, but she has been smart. She has outwitted all all of their structures that they have in place, their safety nets, all the different ways that they do, she has managed to charm her way or think her way out of a variety of scenarios. I agree with you. Like, it just doesn't work for me that that it can just go on and on and on forever where they're just okay with continuously. It's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon, you know, <laughs> where we just continue to chase her and sometimes we catch her under a cup for like a second, but then she pushes the cup over and she gets out. And let's start talking about this. Let's go more in depth because the way that I think of the handmaids is kind of in Lego pieces. Different pieces represent different portions of the show. So having things like Gilead and the government and how the structure of the society works, that's like one Lego piece, right? And in order to make an episode, they tend to put several of these Lego pieces together. Another lego piece is someone's got to be getting tortured or hurt in some way. We've got to show some sort of extreme behavior. That's another lego piece. Then we have to have like running away or or the constant trying to get away. That's like another lego piece. We also have to have Hannah and reminding ourselves why we're doing this in the first place. All of these things are like they move them around. Sometimes the torture happens first, sometimes there's a Hannah piece, sometimes we're back to structure, sometimes we're it just they just move it around. And this one, they put all those Lego pieces in the same episode, and it felt really fast in a strange way for me. I don't like torture. I can't stand torture shows. Still? Still. I hate watching them. I hate watching movies that have tons of torture in them. So for me to say, boy, those torture scenes like, weren't that exciting for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of messy, right? Like, what's with me? They were so standard, I guess, waterboarding, the pulling the fingernails out, the little box. All of those were like, okay. But that's like just standard biz that like we've seen in every movie before.
0: To your point, they didn't actually get the fingernails pulled out, right? And the waterboarding was off camera, right? Um, so, is there is this like a softening, <laughs> um, Maybe? cinematically?
1: I don't know. Um, and so then, does it work? Because then, do you actually get the feeling of how gritty and how extreme Gilead is? If when you have these moments where the the runaway handmaid has been caught and she's facing Aunt Lydia, and it doesn't burn the house down it kind of feels like well what is ever going to be the big big bang moment here if not these moments the,
0: the scariest element of all of the torture scenes wasn't the torture it was the torturer uh, lieutenant yes. uh happy guy
1: he was so gross i bet super sick disgustingly sweet nasty
0: when you saw him come in and he just looks like any old guy but with that big smile and you know what he's there to do you knew that this was going to be a sick-minded guy. The very first thing he does is that strike down on her on her belly where she has the bullet wound and
1: he goes like on her rib cage, like the whole thing, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, that whole area would still be pretty sore, oh, yeah. I imagine. Just a transaction for for this guy. No big deal. You've seen this guy in other things. Big smile. Well, maybe you don't because you don't watch don't torture watch shows. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's a very common fixture. This is the person that enjoys it. Get
1: or he's just or he's 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 so, okay
0: with it. It's yeah. not that he enjoys it. I, I he may not enjoy it at all. It's just more like he's okay with it. Well, and, it's and just his aren't. job.
1: It's just his job. And he like doesn't, he's completely and totally uh, numbed out to the whole thing. Like, and it's not like he's angry about it or whatever. He's just here to do his job and that's it. I actually thought that the smaller moments of what I'm going to consider torture, like her having her neck in the van be chained to the to the wall and like them having jostling around, like that was more tension filled for me than some of these other moments um, that were seemingly a bigger torture moment because that actually seemed like it could snap her neck, which the rest of the stuff, I had no fear that June was going to die, Yeah, you know, and I had no fear that she was actually going to get seriously injured because I don't know why the, the, the tension didn't build for me in that way.
0: So what do you suppose that Nick is doing behind the scenes to quote, like save her from getting killed or keep her alive is, is more like what he's been saying. <sighs>
1: Nick is a real big puzzle, Paul. I mean, he goes and has the conversation with Lawrence. And, you know, it seemed very eye-opening in terms of, like, is he still waiting for her to come back and, like, them to have some sort of relationship and this is all going to happen this way? He says no. He's not wanting that. But at the same time, I mean, uh, I think so. He is looking at her with this whole, like, she changed me and she changed you and... I don't know what the guy is thinking is going to happen. He looked like shit. I mean, for all those who ship like, you know, Nick being like such a hottie, I mean, he had big dark circles under his eyes and I mean, he looked bad. He looked like he had been seeing some things.
0: The trick that they do with the lighting and then what they call the grading afterwards that creates all of the the harsh contrast. Like if you were taking uh, an Instagram picture, you'd never choose this filter. <laughs>
1: right, it's like all shadows everywhere. Yeah. And, and, his, yeah. and he,
0: you're right, they've treated his face in a way that has aged him.
1: And, right. And given
0: him more of a haunted sort of look. Like last week we were discussing, or last episode we were discussing how deep in it Is he, has he, and I, I personally think he's about 98% Gilead, 2% human being. uh, And that's the 2% that feels like he's looking out for, 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 June at this point
1: and remember June mother of his baby yes I mean let's put that in there because that's an important portion they are parents together and they I was thinking back to way back when they had all the scenes of her being in that warehouse and him like coming to her remember all that mm-hmm. and it was like we actually had like more of like a free relationship between the two of them and oh gosh it was just making my mind really real at the you mean
0: the first time she escaped <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and also I agree with you on that and how much more edgy he's become when he's telling Lawrence, you know, you've gotten very comfortable here, you know, and kind of being a little icy about it. You ought to be minding yourself, Lawrence, because, you know, there's a there's a commander right behind you to take this house. It was only because someone else took a different house that you got this one. I don't know. He's got a little bit more edge to him than he did before. But what to your point? What is he doing behind the scenes? Did he pull any strings on any of these tortures moments? Did he do anything to soften anything that happened? I don't think he it ha- didn't could feel have like had it. anything. No, I mean I don't think
0: so. People died. They they did collect Hannah. Uh, Let's I'm, talk
1: a little bit about that, about that scene with okay. the two women. I mean, that was probably the most tension filled for me because it was something new. You know, it was like, okay, they're going to actually try to pull on her heartstrings in terms of her fellow handmaids her fellow, you know, uh, women. I didn't know if, if it would be enough. You know, I wondered, I, I thought to myself, well, it's two there. What if they had three? What if they had five? What if they had 10? Like, would there have been a number that would have tipped the scales for her at that point? What do you think? I mean, do you think she was never going to tell no matter what at that point?
0: Well, you know, I'm thinking of a lot of different things in that scene. I'm trying to recognize these women. Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't. And I'm sorry if that's if that, if I should have, but I didn't. If it was ten women, you'd you'd probably wonder, well then, you know, the the scales would 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 not balance out hiding the other women well, by losing it, these women. But
1: if it was numbers, that's true. But if it is the, the sense of like, but if that group gets out, then you've continued the like underground railroad. I mean, if you give up where they are at that point, I mean you're closing safe houses as you go, you know? So I mean, I understand the idea of like how many would it have taken. I don't know. Maybe there could have been twenty women up there, and she still might have not given it up because because it's about keeping the the line open, you know, of getting out. That's true. So that's a huge part, which is which is why I didn't think when we have the two there. Of course, when the woman says June, don't tell them anything. I was like, girl, you are brave, 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 and also like you understand the stakes. Well, I knew
0: they. I knew they were dead. I I did too.
1: I kind of felt like even if she told right then, he was still going to push them both. Didn't you think that?
0: Well, yeah. It just, just the idea that, that you, you caused this. You need to, she need, he needed to give her that weight on her mind that Lydia kept, kept driving home. You, the, the choices you made is causing all of this needed to be stuck in her that that's the way that this, it's that manipulation, you know, that. Oh
1: yeah. That mental abuse, emotional abuse.
0: You see it in action movies all the time, just that that putting it on you, that I had to shoot this person because of a decision that you made. You see it a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then that's when, so they so they got to that point, right? They got to the, the two other handmaids. And, you know, of course, the quintessential moment is Hannah. Now, don't we all say, why didn't they just get Hannah first? Why did they go through all of this? And that's why it feels empty to me that we went through those those scenes because like you said they were off screen or we're watching her sing in a box or you know we knew the women were dead regardless as soon as we saw the scene we knew even if she told right then they were still going to kill her so nothing had the tension until we got to hannah for me
0: well uh watching the two women die i mean it was unpleasant and if you were june they did try to put us very much in june's Shoes, you know, the helicopter overhead oh, and the spotlight it was wet and rainy and yeah, shitty. It was dramatic. Yeah. I mean, it was well composed to be scary. And you don't know if they're going to dangle you by your ankles off the wall. But we knew.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, But that's the thing. Like we've discussed this. Like if you go through the process over and over again, you have to add some other layer of, of tension. There has to be something else. You have to up the ante because otherwise we've seen this before. We've seen her argue with it. Lydia before we've seen them have these like fights and slap her face and all that kind of stuff. I know I sound so callous you guys. And if you listen to the beginnings of these recordings from us, we started back in season one and I am like crying at every time that anyone looks at her badly and I feel like crap. And now I'm like, this isn't enough for me. Why do I say that is because They've established that this is Gilead, like this is it. So I thought you were thinking they're going to come up with some biblical crap. So for them to go straight military, straight what we know that they do, waterboard, fingernails. I mean, that, my goodness, Paul, isn't that just like the most cliche choices?
0: Saeed did that to Sawyer. Exactly. <laughs> in the first season of just Laws. standard like, wow.
1: things. Right. I thought they'd be more creative.
0: So is there any doubt in your mind, though, that Hannah was in danger?
1: That's what I'm saying to you, though. Did you feel like once we saw the glass box in the middle of the room and we see the little pink little girl there, did Did it raise it for you then? Did you feel like, oh, my gosh. OK, now it now it got real.
0: I did feel that Hannah was in danger. I did, too. I, I, I didn't know how. I didn't know if they'd make her. Watch her get beaten, or just you know suffocate, or because that box looks manipulatable in that way.
1: It did. When you mentioned, you know, could they pump gas in there, and you know she could start crying or something in there? Yeah, I mean that seemed all very reasonable.
0: They probably even overlooked because this is the way that they would think. The idea that Hannah being horrified to see this woman who keeps coming into her room at night and scaring the shit out of her randomly. Would be enough. Just just seeing the look on her face of being scared by her own daughter would emotionally move her to. Well, so
1: let's talk about that. Do you think they overlooked that? What was the torture here? Was the torture that they were going to actually do something to Hannah or was the torture they knew very well? Hannah wasn't going to recognize her. Hannah was going to reject her. Even though they set the audience up for, okay, look at this glass box. This is clearly a situation where we're going to fill it with water or we're going to fill it with gas or we're going to send a dog in there after her or something like that, right? What if we just have her be frightened? Like, was that on the table for Gilead? Do you think they even knew?
0: I think the only one smart enough to have done that would have been Lawrence.
1: I think it would have been Lydia.
0: But I'm trying to think of the sequence of things that would have allowed that knowledge to be in his mind. It might've been in Lydia's mind because she kept collecting her after those incidents. You know, maybe Lydia, it's just where did Lydia come in on the chain of-
1: like what's going to uh, to
0: actually work, or what's going to happen to her? And I, I'm not sure that she was. She kept collecting her after, and she got that that one slap in at the beginning.
1: She seemed genuinely disturbed by the torture. I mean, when yeah, she was that's what I mean. That's what she I mean.
0: Trying to do her needlepoint, no. yeah, and
1: trying to, and and the reason why most people state that they do things like needlepoint beyond the hobby part of it is to calm their nerves. That's like a like a lot of um, uh, midwives do needlepoint and, and crochet and stuff like that, because moving your hands is a very like trying to like steady yourself. So I can understand what was going on here, but I'm I still don't feel like we got to an answer about what they were trying to accomplish with Hannah. If we think that they were actually just trying to show her like, look, everything you're trying to do is for like a zero gain here. You know, like she doesn't recognize you. She doesn't know you as her mother. So it's not going to work. And that's what breaks her. Or or was the psychological part even on the table?
0: Great question. It all depends on where this all came from and who would have known that stuff. Because, I mean, just- just so easy though. Just the, I mean, the kind of like thug mindset of, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to hurt someone you love. That's all legit. And that that all would have worked too.
1: But they do that- First, why would they go through the trouble of the waterboarding and the everything else? Like it's just like this. Well, th- the they to- didn't
0: want to have to hurt a little girl. They didn't have to. That's a that's a potential uterus that might grow up and and give Gilead another child.
1: I don't know, man. I'm just saying. I think that they knew that it was. It was the whole shebang was to bring Hannah in and just torture her with just seeing her. When I say torture her, I don't mean physically harm Hannah. Just make her look at her. Just make it just say we're going to you go in the other room and we're going to hurt her while you're in the other room. Like just saying that after seeing Hannah, I think would have done it, you know, for 90 percent of moms. I think that they would have spilled the beans at that point. I don't know the reason why it matters to me. And and people might say who are listening, why do you care like the order of the torture? And all? Because. Gilead has really pumped itself up on having these like specific rules and laws and ways they do things. They are bouncing around too much for me. If the punishment is you go to the wall, then I don't get why she didn't go to the wall. And that has been a punishment since day one. And if they have all these other crazy torture methods... I don't know why none of that has ever been brought to us in all the other seasons. Yeah, But then these torturous methods aren't even that interesting and they aren't even very Gilead. Like you'd think that they would have done something else like make her, I don't know, like plow a field like an ox or something, like something biblical, something weird and you know, foreign to all of us that we would be like, this is so obscure. How did they come up with this crazy method of doing things? Why would they just do it like our normal military does stuff? Do you know it, what I mean? Like it was, it seemed like phoning it in.
0: I mean, all that, all those are valid points. All that makes sense. The concept that they would need to extract the information of the of the next safe house and where the handmaids were that makes sense. Why they would keep her alive for that? The, you know, the the sequence of torture and extracting information, all that is 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 questionable. But none of it is as questionable as keeping her alive once they find out that she, that they that she's given up the information
1: how about keeping her alive once they find out the information and absolutely taking her down to like the lowest level security
0: level oh you mean just the regular old handmaid's van
1: Yeah. Like, I don't understand any of this. When they said, okay, so here's the deal. You're going to go to a Magdalene colony, a breeding colony, where essentially you're going to work. And when it's time for you to have a ceremony, then we're going to do that and put you back out in the field. We have talked about this again since the beginning. None of that makes sense. Why would you work these people to the bone who are the people who are supposed to be strong and healthy to be able to actually bear children i thought it was fascinating that they brought up this idea that it was never about the children when that whole concept came up when she said you're not going to hurt hannah because you're not going to kill a child and, and lawrence said this was always about power this had nothing to do with children i was like wait really is that really true are we are we really going for this thought that it was all about the power in the first place
0: he made up how the country works. So he understands their thinking and their motivations. But if you measure their power, it's so insular, you know, like nobody else in the world likes them or wants what they have.
1: Or um, interacts with them. Right. I mean, or, they have all right, these uh, sanctions against right, them. Right.
0: Right? No one trades with them. Right. Uh, even their neighbors don't.
1: But does, doesn't that make them want the power internally that much more?
0: I guess, because there's nothing else left to them. So, yes, but, that So, makes let's sense. talk
1: it through, though. Children weren't the goal?
0: This whole time... I mean,
1: Lawrence never cared about having a handmaid. He wasn't trying to do stuff in his own house, right? So, children definitely weren't, if you look at the architect.
0: This whole time, though, so much has been built on trying to have kids.
1: But he said that was just a distraction. It was all a distraction. And it was all just about having power over all these people. Let's put a pin in it and say, okay, let's watch these next episodes and find out, do we think what he's saying is totally true? Or is it just true through his POV? Is the rites and rituals of making the children and raising the children and all the things, think about how the entire hierarchy of the women have everything to do with their relationship to the children. Whether you're a Martha, whether you're a handmaid, whether you're a wife, it's all about what's your relationship to the children, right? Mm -hmm. But what if that's just to keep you busy? It's just busy work over here.
0: That's still adds up to kind of a, a big waste of time, though, doesn't it?
1: I don't know. I I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. This is what Lawrence puts before us. I'm just looking at it on the dinner plate, like, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's something to think about, This Commander is something Lawrence. that I
1: really want to watch now to see if this is really going on. Because one of the things that you and I had talked about was why don't they just have a big hospital clinic setting where they essentially keep the handmaids there and do everything there, and including, you know, ceremonies and whatnot, and they just stay there?
0: Here's my thought on that. And you can say whatever you will about it
1: they always do you
0: always do <laughs> and it is that they think they being the sons of Jacob leadership yeah um, they think that their kool-aid is so good that women even handmaids uh-huh. will want to serve their righteous nation without needing to be tied down to a bed waiting to be impregnated that they'll want to Okay. To give their bodies over as breeding factories and and fulfill their service that way. I honestly think that that's the way that they think.
1: Interesting. I mean, the whole idea of a breeding colony, I mean, you know, hopefully we're not going to get a chance to see what that looks like. But, you know, I that leans more into what I thought really made sense. Having them live in the homes with the commanders and the wives and do all that kind of stuff really never made a lot of sense, right? you know, for them to have one ceremony once a month kind of thing. I mean, it really didn't make a lot of sense, especially just for keeping track of everyone. You know, I mean, there's so much interaction with each other as as much as at the beginning. Do you remember? Look forward. You can't even be talking to anybody. She was more chatty in this jail cell with Lydia than she ever was when she was out in the populace. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a little head scratching. And I know if you guys are, are listening to us and you guys are like, you guys aren't getting it at all. You're a mess. You don't understand. Maybe you, got, you guys could be completely right. Uh, we're sitting here trying to suss out, like, first of all, are they being consistent with how Gilead runs? Maybe because of the different random acts that have gone around where where commanders have been killed and, and checkposts have been blown up, maybe they're shooketh. The children have been taken. So maybe the normal structure has fallen away for just like, go to your military training. Go back to what you know. We don't have time to make up a fake ceremony of what we do when a handmaid runs away for the second time. you know? Like well, we don't have time to make up something
0: to your point, when um Nick and Lawrence are having that fireside chat, Yes, they both agree something to the effect of that Gilead was ripe for a shakeup or something like that. Yes. Now we spend very little time with the with the Gilead brass, and so we mostly see things from the very lowest levels, the handmaids, and our handmaids aren't even in placements. We're just we're just seeing them on the run. So where right. these shakeups are taking place, and how they're taking place, what form they've taken. We haven't seen yet, but maybe we have. Maybe, like what you're just saying, maybe moving back to more like militant fundamental, you know, I, I, how to I,
1: I think so, right? run a
0: country under martial law kind of stuff is the move that they had to make because their Kool-Aid doesn't taste that good, <laughs> yeah, as it turns so, out. Someone's poisoned the, the Kool-Aid. <laughs> right. Um,
1: yeah. So, I mean, that's where I'm at. I want to give you um, great props for for using the, the theme of sacrifice last week and, and saying that you felt like that was going to carry through. We thought Janine surely was the sacrifice. What a shock of how this all goes down, take me to that van ride paul
0: I mean you you hit something very early on uh, about why in the world were they under just the supervision of one guard, one ant that they 've already shown some proclivity for beating the shit out of already. In moving toward this Magdalene colony. Why was that possibly the right way to move these handmaids?
1: Okay, so let's talk about this, the start of a new adventure, as Lydia calls it. We have this this ritual of her being hosed down like an animal. They, sh- they zoomed in on some of the bruises, which included what, I swear to God, looked like a bite mark on her. And they do this entire dressing her back in the handmaid's clothes with Lydia. How did you feel about watching her to get re into this identity.
0: I mean, this is going to be a very tired comment right now, but we've seen this before. Like when she got the ear thing put back on. Oh, yeah. And that whole sequence. So it felt a little like... Yeah, uh, we're going
1: to do this again. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree. And some of this, though, as retreading of ground as it definitely is... One of the hallmarks of this show are these rites and rituals, right? We have to go back and forth to these moments that it's like, we've done this before. We've seen this before. This is so monotonous. Yeah, but that's kind of the point, right? Is that she didn't make it any further than going through this same thing again. She didn't gain any ground. Then let's talk about this actual transport situation. When she gets out and they're walking her towards the bridge and there's a man on the bridge, what were you thinking was happening here?
0: Oh, well, you called it. I mean, while we were sitting there watching it, you said, that's that's Nick, isn't it? That's Nick. And so then they had the the, the dramatic camera. Yeah. Whatever they call that, pan behind him. They had to like focus
1: him. in yeah. on him and everything. Like he was all blurry and stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know the "I love you" bit and the kissing and the whole fact that it even took place. It was so
1: far fetched. There's witnesses
0: in those in those guards.
1: Not only that, but then hello, I didn't even pick up when the other van pulls up and is just sitting there and she turns and runs back and says, I love you and makes out with him for a while. That's the Aunt Lydia van, Paul. What the the other guard and and they're all cool with the fact that she's making out with Nick on the bridge. Lydia can't see that she's walking from another place. Like, I mean, what the heck is happening right now? It was very odd.
0: (laughs) And, you know, and to think like Nick his name actually appears in the various charges against Serena yes. you know in Canada it's funny that i don't know it's just kind of funny that he's still living out all that stuff and she's up there trying to defend herself from, I don't know, it's just kind of funny No, it's
1: wild. It is is wild. It's really, but that's the thing. It's like we're like in weird, like it's like someone hit pause on Gilead and we're just living this Groundhog's Day while the rest of the world is moving on, you know? I mean, it really feels crazy. I do want to say that the Nick and June moment that kind of did work for me was when he was like unchaining her at the very, very beginning and he's kind of like sniffing her hair and kind of like moving around her and doing stuff in a way that was like very sensual and intimate and everything. I mean, that part worked for me. They should have found some other ways to do that.
0: But in that moment, did you read on her face any amount of trust or was it more like, what is happening? I think
1: it's totally what is happening because what is happening? I mean, what is going on with Nick? What is his story? I don't know. Let's get back over to that van ride because once she leaves the bridge, she heads into that van and we realize it's just one guard, Lydia, and then all the perpetrators.
0: Doesn't make sense, right? That they would be so undermanned or personed for that task.
1: I thought that it was so simple, the way that they got out of there, the way that they, they're, you know, it was just so easy. It was just so easy. Why wouldn't their legs have been shackled?
0: Why wouldn't they have been attached to the to the van itself, you know?
1: Why wouldn't there have been multiple guards? Why wouldn't they have the, had the masks on that they had them wearing previously?
0: With the neck thing.
1: Yeah. I well, have a thousand questions. A thousand questions about this whole thing, and then to actually have them be able to just jump out, and they make it to the van, to the to the train tracks. What did you think? How many did you think we're going to make it?
0: Four. I thought there would be. I the thought Alma four. for sure would make it because she's pretty much been there since the first season, in and out. Yeah. Yeah, I thought when I saw the guards show up and start shooting, um, I thought there'd definitely be some some red shirts to go down. What I took away from it was June took that that extra second to try to lean into to to Lydia and Alma was like, you know, we got to go. And that was probably the second that cost everybody everything, you know, was was waiting for June to do that.
1: Well, waiting for June to decide not to kill Lydia. Right. Actually probably killed the other women. Right. Because had she just killed her and left, but because she was like waiting there to decide what I mean, she was going to do. She
0: had a cattle prod. She didn't need to kill her. She just needed to give her a couple seconds of the old of the juice. And Lydia wouldn't have been getting up to alert the guard about shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: It, I Again, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why she would have shown her mercy at that point. After everything that happened in the torture areas and how Lydia talked to her and slapped her and, you know, all these things, I just don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. Emily didn't have any problem pushing her, (laughs) you know, I don't, I don't get it. June's decisions are an absolute puzzle for me. So, so all in all though, we end up with just June and Janine at the end of the line. And here's the thing, Paul, this train is still going by, but that was wide open space. Where were those ladies running to?
0: Exactly. When
1: I saw the other side of the tracks and I realized, I mean.
0: <laughs> they have a couple minute head start.
1: That's it. I mean, all that guard is going to do is, is turn the van around, go back across the bridge where those other people were there. Right. Catch up with those other guys. And he's going to have. Two car, two trucks, right? Two vans and multiple guards and Nick all going.
0: Well, he does have a radio too.
1: That's what I mean though. They're right there.
0: And the women's hands are bound. They're wearing bright red. They seem to be running down the road for some reason. I mean, immediately you need to get where cars can't go. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, that would help you. Uh, I mean- This
1: just feels like- This a, is the story really we've really got. really rough setup. And, I, I don't know.
0: But I don't like how it ad- added up.
1: I don't either. I You called it on the sacrifice. You know, all these people were being sacrificed along this entire episode. And, you know, the two women on the roof, the four. I don't know how many actually died. I mean, definitely one got shot for sure. Definitely. I think, I think two, it was, two got shot. I think it was Alma got hit by the train. Mm-hmm. Um, And I don't know how, if, if anyone else got hit hit or just got knocked back. Or Alma
0: was with a second handmaid and they both got creamed and then. Two, when they when the camera pulls up to, yeah. to show what's happening, there are two women down, and they were actually. Uh, I think Lydia was kneeling over one, kind of checking on one, mm. and the one that was closer to the van than to the train yeah. tracks.
1: Well, I mean, these are some choices that June's making. I mean, I understood the idea of wanting to make a run for it, and I'm not saying that I ever would have not wanted to. I think I would have just, you have to kill Lydia. (laughs) Like, you have to to do more than just stun her. You have to kill her. And I don't understand why she can't pull the trigger. Why she can kill Guardian Pogue without any second thoughts, even knowing that's going to bring the Guardians to the house. And everything. But then, you know, hold back after all these people witnessed the entire escape. It was just like, I don't know what you're holding back for. I don't understand this. Isn't this go time?
0: Yeah. The, the I think maybe the confusion about what go time means, like, because <laughs> uh, Mayday doesn't hide, it acts, right? Right. But there's a... There's got to be a rhyme and a reason to acting. It's funny, just simultaneously, we're re-watching The Sopranos, and it seems like that's just full of senseless violence. But when actually there's a lot of calculation behind how much trouble am I going to get into and with whom mm. and all these other factors that go into when can I go whack a guy. Yeah. Right?
1: Exactly. And that
0: comes from this hard-fought knowledge of going through the process that we described last week. June's been on this job. A very short amount of time in terms of people looking to her for day-to-day leadership and it cost her her whole crew this time
1: i do want to say that there was a couple moments in this that i really felt the covid protocols i thought that it was pretty smart the way that they had her wearing that brown mask at the beginning i know a lot of people could say oh no they've been wearing masks yeah but this was pretty this was pretty good concealing of how they were doing it because then all the guards all the time were always masked I thought that was really smart, the way that they, they just made that layered in. It didn't bother me at all. And if you think about it, like meeting Nick on the bridge, as goofy as that is, but it was all social distancing. You had one guard and one Aunt Lydia probably because social distancing and how many people you could have and how it could all work. You know, I even wonder if they killed so many of the handmaids off so that the crew is only two people.
0: Decisions like that get made a lot for production reasons, so...
1: Specifically for COVID reasons, that we have to keep it small and we have to keep people kept uh, in quarantine as little as possible. So I don't know. I'm kind of leaning into that this might be from the COVID of it all, you know? (laughs) Talking about decisions being made, Luke is having an awful hard go in Canada. He has a lot of question marks about June's decisions and how he's framing her choices. What did you think about this?
0: You know... We saw some Luke last week. Luke is a target of a lot of fans' um, disinterest, displeasure with the show in that he's he's not always portrayed as as that awesome of a guy. I try to look for reasons to like Luke because mm-hmm. I want to. It's just optional. You know, okay. I'm a viewer. I get to decide who I want to <laughs> like.
1: Okay, okay.
0: And last week we see that he seems to have taken some amount of charge with this relief organization that they're involved with. Absolutely. He's... Being an MC for fundraisers that is not an easy thing to just step up and and go in front of people and say, "Give me your money," and I'm gonna and I promise to spend it the way that that we said that we're gonna.
1: Well, and we can talk about it from a way more personal standpoint. I, again, for for listeners who have listened to us for a long time, we have three special needs kids, and our eldest is deaf blind, and we have had golf tournaments for her and fundraisers for her for many years. It's very hard to have a picture of your loved one up on the screen behind you. and you talk to this group about why you need to raise money, that, it rips my heart out. I have a hard time. There's been times when I've had to say, you finish, you know, what I was going to say or whatever, because, you know, it makes you choked up to to say things. So I think that he's being very brave to stand there with June's picture behind him. And Hannah's, remember, he's missing Hannah too. I mean, he's standing there being a husband and a father.
0: And that's probably the part where, My lingering disappointment comes with Luke in that he didn't for a second consider that her staying behind had anything to do with Hannah. Yeah. It was somehow about him.
1: She chose to stay in Gilead. She knew she would be caught. She knew she wouldn't see us again. And that's what she chose. What?
0: Just, come on man i mean you're raising this other man's baby and and you seem to be doing that just fine come on it's like you're you're growing here right
1: <laughs> it was a stretch and i understand though that they are really trying to delve into beyond the surface feelings so of course one of the feelings of course he's going to be sad and missing them and worried about her and everything but maybe there are these these passing moments of feeling like did she choose this did she did she not want to come back here because he knows she has a love relationship with Nick he's holding the baby you know like he knows more about the Nick side of things I mean there's charges against Serena about Nick and June so there's a mess that he's dealing with in his head that I'm glad they aren't just completely ignoring but I wish he would have had a moment where he said I'm just being silly. This is ridiculous. Of course she didn't choose to stay. You know, like, let him have the flash. Let the feelings come out. But then come back to reality that that's not what happened. And she's trying to save Hannah. And there's so much more going on here. See the bigger picture.
0: The the show is manipulating us a little bit into making June the face of all these things. Like, the past couple weeks, they've given us this idea that Moira and Emily and now Luke all feel like they are the janitors of June's decisions and they are left to, to sweep up after, you know, hurricane yeah. June Gillihead did all this. June is not yeah. the, the source of all this. Stuff.
1: And she's certainly not the only person because like we said, they went around and said, there's been an explosion over at a checkpoint. There's been this that happened and this that happened and this then happened and like, hold on a minute. And that whole plane came with a lot of different people than just June's people, you know, like a lot of other hands went into getting, getting them all across, you know, all those Marthas that were in that Martha network that set it all up to have their little kids ready to go. That wasn't June, you know, I mean, they were working on that.
0: Yeah. Just don't lose sight of of the idea people that, that if the, if Gilead didn't exist, June would still be editing books Living with Hannah and Luke and everything would be fine. She wouldn't have needed to become who she's become. And the idea of these people, I mean, if they don't want to do this anymore, that's okay. I mean- Go do something else.
1: Well, I think they touched on it in the last episode, and I think that it's still fair. I mean, as much as Luke continued to look at the baby, and I think they did a great job in casting the baby to look so much like June, super um, contrast to Luke that I felt like, you know, he kept looking at her and looking at her. And you can see when Moira's like, I don't want to be her mom. I don't want to do any of this, you know? Yeah. I think that they can't just walk away. They can't, there's a baby in the middle of all this. Who, where are they? How can they walk away?
0: Well, the baby part of it is is more difficult, but but Moira.
1: Moira and Emily don't have to work at the center there. I mean, they, right. they could go do something else, but I'm sure for their own minds and their own like peace of heart at night to feel like they're still helping and they're still doing something from the outside. I'm sure you would have to do that. Like, I don't think they can go shuffle papers at a dentist's office and feel like, it's fine. I can just do this, you know, right. that doesn't seem right.
0: Well, Emily's a college professor.
1: Very true. Very, very true. The symbolism of Luke ultimately deciding to bury the parsimon in the ground. How did you feel about that whole scene?
0: Well, that's what makes me want to keep pulling for Luke, you know, is is that maybe his flashes of selfishness or whatever the right word is, maybe they drag on longer than than I'd like but you know take the guy as a whole and he still is is doing the right stuff he's still hoping for his for his wife to return home safely he's still raising this baby that that needs a loving home he's he's still raising money to give the the Angel Flight kids the best chance of of coming out of this thing normally on the whole I'm still pulling for Luke. And that, that kind of thing makes me think that he is honestly in it.
1: I have a superstitious family in that we bury the, our St. Joseph cross in, in the yard when we're selling a house. And we have a million different traditions surrounding the holidays that are all tied back to my Lithuanian culture. And I felt very tied to this burying the parsimmon. I, I felt like... This is a big deal. This this is a this is an act of a personal act, but kind of between him and the baby and June and Hannah right then of burying it in the ground and keeping the hope that that they could be a family again. That felt like the most personal we've actually seen because everything else was all for the public consumption, you know, the the candlelight vigil and the fundraising and stuff. It was all for everyone else, but this was personal, just him and the baby.
0: Well, he had that moment admitting that he thought candlelight vigils for political prisoners or whatever was, you know, a complete waste of time and effort for him to take this act that is completely a superstitious thing and, and put his hope on that um, probably does say a lot about him. Um, I
1: think it does. I'm, I'm really hoping that we see more with Luke and figuring out, like, how things are going. That's some stuff that, I again, being kind of glossed over that— I hope that they dive back into more. Like, let's get back into like, how's the day to day with Luke? Like, what does Luke do for a job? Like, we don't really know. And how are things with Nicole and, and Emily? What happened with her wife and family? And I hope we dive more into what's going on as opposed to just like reactions to what's going on. Like, oh my gosh, I heard this news of what happened in Gilead. But but really what's going on, you know? Yeah. And, and I feel the same over like now, gosh, over in Gilead, I don't even know what to think. I cannot believe we went from her being captured at the end of the last episode to her running again in the, at the end of one episode. I am kind of like, my hands are like thrown up. Like, we are about to see so much shit go down, Paul. There has to be such a big story that they want to tell. That they had to cast off these other handmaids and then keep going here.
0: I haven't seen anything beyond this, but given, you know, everything that went into finding her in the first place and... The way that they structured this this escape, I could foresee several episodes, if not like their whole rest of the season, being basically a road
1: back on the run
0: kind of thing. Yeah, you know?
1: they're on the road again, these two moving but right along.
0: Now they're now they don't have the support of a network or the rest of the crew. To some extent, the network might be like bitch crazy, you know, like <laughs> she gets everybody killed that's around her, you know. Uh, we don't know you.
1: Yeah, they so, said at the very beginning of this whole episode that. Esther was in in custody. That scared me to my little bone, Paul. I was like, she is probably, she's unaccounted for in this. Mm -hmm. To just mention her and not see her at all was kind of a surprise. I wonder where she might come back into play.
0: Well, I kind of wondered if those two women that got tossed off the roof, if they had somehow lagged at the farmhouse. Oh. You know, and that's how they got caught. Maybe so. Because they were, the one was look beaten up like you know would have taken could have taken place during an arrest rather than just being collected
1: that makes sense at her placement so what do you want to see more of in the next episode or would you have any predictions going forward here
0: oh well i'd like to see some plot related choices that make more sense with the consistency of the in-universe rules that i have already (laughs) placed on the show in my own head this episode kind of broke some of those things that I like in my science fiction, the the consistency that says when this happens, that happens. And, uh, but are you,
1: are you not okay with the idea that Gilead is in flux right now that they are, they are shook and that things are a little off with all of them.
0: That's fine. And maybe in these next episodes, we'll see some of that flux. Okay. We'll see some of how those things are changing to have that make more sense. You know, I appreciate the idea that June is our character. She is the handmaid. She is the one we're going to carry through. So she has to live.
1: She was also the director of this episode and has been a producer and is the star. So, I mean, for me, I think that it's interesting when they keep kind of going back in and making it, so June-centric. I wonder sometimes if the show is is good for that, good that she's the director and she's a producer and she's uh, she has her hand in it so much and is the star. Are they taking paths that maybe they wouldn't have taken? They would have followed some other characters or they would have given more screen time to some other characters. It's fascinating that she directed it and was basically the episode for 70%. I mean, we are just looking at her in a prison cell.
0: I mean, that's hard to do.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, give her a lot of props for that. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So, thanks you guys so much for listening. We look forward to next week.
0: We'll catch you with episode four. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening. And don't forget to please rate, review, and subscribe to Pod Clubhouse on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars, people. It makes it easier for others to find the show. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production.